0: Hebrews chapter 4 today. Hebrews chapter 4, as we told you last time, has more to say on the topic of rest. Not going to get the whole chapter in, but we will get part of this. In verse 1, it says, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to have come, f- come short of it. Some translations put, let us uh, keep in mind or, or uh, basically keep our, our focus on For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So we talked about how we were supposed to enter into rest, and we saw the example that was used was the time right before Moses was up on the mountain, and they had the battle, and they were supposed to go from Rephidim, a place of rest, into a place of battle, but they didn't do that because they turned it into a place of complaining and moaning and bickering and all the other stuff that went along with it. And so they then then go from that place that God had intended. So he starts this off, Therefore, since the promise remains of entering his rest, there is still a promise to enter in his rest, even though Israel already came into Canaan land. There's still a promise, he says, of entering into his rest, lest us fear... Let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. In other words, be more focused on this, be more concerned about this. We don't want to come short of this promise. Because if you come short of the promise, then you won't walk in it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which you heard did not profit them. Not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So the promise remains. It was not just for Moses' day. It's therefore not based on the land of Canaan. It's not based on a place. It's based on a promise. Now, the gospel had been preached to them, it says. The gospel was preached to them. That first generation that came out of Egypt, it didn't do them any good because even though they heard the gospel, they heard the message, they didn't mix faith with it. They didn't believe it. And so it did them no good. So he says, don't you come short. Don't you walk in such a way as to not have faith in the promise because if we don't have faith in the promise, then the gospel that we hear won't do us any good. For us it can be different if we if we mix our faith in. So we got we want to have a different result than they did. Remember the parable of the sower? The parable of the sower? The the gospel, the message went out. And the word went out. And some mixed faith with it, the glass group, they mixed faith with it, other ones they didn't hang on to it and they lost it. They lost the, the gospel. They lost the seed. So we see that at work, even in the Old Testament. Verse 3, for we, for we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, this is a powerful little verse here. It's got a whole lot of things to say. It says, for, for we who have believed do enter that rest. The people that were blocked from entering the rest were the people who disbelieved The people who are disobedient, because disbelief in the promise will result in disobedience. And if we disobey, we are blocked from entering into the rest. But if we believe, the door is open for us to to enter in. So we have to have faith in the promise. For we who have believed do enter that rest, if we have the faith to believe. As he said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Now, that may not jump right out at you, but what this is basically saying is from the foundation of the world, God had ordained, God had decreed, God had declared that the children of Israel would enter into the promised land, that that would be the land for his people. He declared it to Abraham, but it had been decreed before that. He was looking for a man on whom... He could, he could base this promise on. He found it in Abraham. So he took what he decreed from the past and bestowed it upon Abraham and on his seed. But understand that that decree was in there before. That the promised land was to be given to a special group of people, a people of faith. And he was looking for a man who would rise up and would have that faith. And he saw it in Abraham. So he said to Abraham, while he was in another land, while he was of another people, He said, Abraham, come out of your land to a land that I will show you. And I will give you this land. This land will be yours. And so Abraham believed him. And so he followed out and he went into the land. We saw the struggles that he had in the area of faith. But he came through him, And the son of promise was was made. And the children of Israel were born. And all his descendants. But until that point, understand this, it was decreed from God that a blessed people would come into this land. So what he is saying here is, even though I told them that they would not enter into this land, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world, the works were finished, God had decreed it. It was already done from the foundation of the world that this would be so. But it was not going to be so for them because they didn't mix faith with it. Now if you can think back a few months, Brother Noel was here. Brother Noel and Philip are both here, but Brother Noel was talking about how God did things from the foundation of the world. So think back to that message. And think about this, that from the foundation of the world, God had decreed this to be so. But there was a group of people who the promise was made to who decided not to believe. And even though God had decreed it from the foundation of the world, He said, You will not enter in. So even though this promise was decreed and was going to happen, he said, "It will not happen for you." You see the broader picture, and what's what's going on with that. So let's go on with this. For he had spoken in a certain place of the seventh of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this place, they shall not enter my rest. Now you read how many times you can read over this and not even catch what the, he's talking about here. He's talking about two different types of Sabbath because the word that he uses for rest, and we're, not, we're going to get into the words, I think, next, next time. We're not going to get into them this time. There's a, uh, some fun study on the words rest that are being used. But this particular word that is used for rest is only used in the New Testament here in Hebrews chapter 3 and Hebrews chapter 4, except for one time. And that's during Stephen's message in the books of, book of Acts, when he goes back and he talks about the people and into the rest. Outside of that, this word is not used. This word speaks of a place of rest. A place that you would come into rest. And now he brings out the Sabbath. The Sabbath is not a place of rest. The Sabbath is a day of rest. And so if you look at the contrast of it, God could not block them from entering into a day of rest because that day, the seventh day, would come upon all who live. If you live long enough, you'll, have it, you'll hit a seventh day, right? Right? If, if you live for another week, you will come upon another seventh day. It will come upon you. God's not going to stop you from entering into that rest. So what he's saying here, we're not talking about a Sabbath rest because the Sabbath rest came to all. We're talking about a different type of rest. We're not talking about a day off. A rest from labors. That is a different one. And it's a different Greek word that is being used here. It's a Greek word that we just translate Sabbath. But here... He's talking about a different one. A place of rest. And there's a group of people that were supposed to enter in and God said, you're not going to enter in because of the disobedience that you had. I put in your outline this. Not all who hear or all who remember, not even all who are mindful, but those who believe. Just because you hear the gospel, just because you hear the promise doesn't mean that you enter in. Just because you remember doesn't mean that you enter in. Just because you stay mindful of the promise of God does not mean that you enter in. It's those who have uh, belief, who believe in it. And belief in this one in a particular sense, we'll show you a little bit. This type of belief actually has to have actions of faith. can't just be belief in, in mouth. It needs to have actions of faith. And this kind of, faith, this kind of belief with actions of faith will produce us moving into this area of rest. That he's talking, it's a place of rest. It's a place that some people never come to in their entire life. Because it's not like a Sabbath that just comes upon you, well, it's my day off today. Well, it's my rest from, from work today. And we're, It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about something completely different. And so that's why he brings up the Sabbath to kind of show on this. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place... They shall not enter my rest. Now, we'll get more into the Sabbath probably next week as we finish this up. But we're going to focus on some other things here. Now, this belief must have actions. If if our belief does not have corresponding faith actions, then we will result in disobedience. If, If our belief, we say, I believe that God will take me into the promised land, but I don't have actions along those lines, then I am in disobedience to the promise of God and therefore will be blocked from getting in. Now understand their unbelief blocked them from getting in, but after they did a number of times of unbelief, 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 God said, that's it. I don't care where you go to from here on out. I am blocking you from getting in. And he decreed you will not enter in, which meant they were not getting in. No matter what they did to change. And so then they went out and they disbelieved again. And they said, well, we're ready to go in now. God says, I'm not in it now. We're not going to be there. So what is it we need to believe in? Not that Canaan exists. Israel believed that Canaan exists, didn't they? All the time they're walking in the wilderness, they believed that Canaan exists. They believed the land was good. They believed that they wanted to go there. What they didn't believe was that God said, what God said he would do. Well, there's giants in the land. Well, we didn't didn't realize we were up against these people. This is going to be pretty tough. Their their walled cities are are huge. We don't have anything to take down those walled cities. They're not believing the, the promise. So here's the thing. We had the promise that was first made to Abraham in Genesis 15, 18, 18 through 21. We're not going to go back and read all these. I put them in there. If you want to go back and read them, you can. But God declared to him, I am going to take you to a land. I have given it to you. He, how many times did he... Well, we'll go over that in here in a minute. He said it to Abraham. He confirmed it to his son Isaac in Genesis chapter 26. He then confirmed it to Jacob in, X, in Genesis chapter 28. I gave you all those references there. Then in the days of Moses, he confirms it with the people of Israel. I'm going to read these ones for you. Exodus 13 and verse 5. And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey that you shall keep this, this service in this month. When the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and he lists all the inhabitants of the land which meant God was mindful of them all. Further down in verse 11, And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you. Again, we're talking, he's talking about it as past tense, when it hasn't happened yet. But as far as God is concerned, it's past tense. Now, if we go through the word of God, I did not count all these. I looked at them. I found somebody who, <laughs> thank God for Google. How do people study all this stuff without it? I just put in a little search, a particular search into Google and I found a list of 170 references that God made to this promise. This one single promise. 170 references in the Word of God. But I decided let's narrow this down a little bit. Let's find out how many times did God promise them between the time of Abraham when the first promise was given and... Until the time of Joshua when they actually entered in. And I came up with this number. That's a blank on your outline. You want to write this one in there. 106. 106 times God reiterated the promise that he made to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. 106 times he reiterated that promise. Either to Abraham, to Isaac, to Jacob, to all the descendants after them. uh, and most of these times are to the children of Israel in the wilderness. Most of these times are there. 106 times he promised them you are going into the promised land. I have given you the land. The descendants are delivered into your hand. 106 times this promise was made. That's a lot of times. He's trying to get something across to him. don't you think? Look at verse 6 in Hebrews. Since therefore remains that some must enter in, and those to whom it was first per- uh, preached did not enter because of disobedience. Now, that, that, that word must there in the King James and in the New King James is italicized, which means they inserted it. So I went out to try and find some other translations that kind of render the meaning a little bit better instead of putting in that word. Here's the New Century Version it is still true that some people will enter God's rest. It is still true that some people will enter God's rest. Not all people. But some people will. Some people are going to go in. Some people are going to enter in this. Some people are not going to enter in. So it is still true that some people will enter God's rest Again, he designates a certain day saying in David, Today, after such a long time as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So today, if you hear his voice, you can enter into the rest. Even though there's been a long time since the promise was made. If you hear his voice today, and you don't harden your hearts like, did, like the people did in the wilderness. If you open up your heart to believe. If you mix faith with this promise, you will enter in to his rest. That's what he says. I put this in your outline for you. Rest on the promises of God. Rest on the promises of God. That's where the rest is. There's a promise, rest in it. So think of it back here with with Israel. Israel is Has the promise from God? I have given you the land. I have delivered the Canaanites, the Jebusites, and and all the other rights in there. List them all. I've delivered every single one of them into into your hand. They are done. The land is yours. Go in and take it. All these things are said. All they have to do is take what God has said and mix faith with it. But what happened was, and this is what we got the great picture in the Bible, is they kept having problems come up. They sent the spies in. The spies come back and they say, Oh, but there's huge walled cities. And the inhabitants are giants. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. And the people of Anak are there. Oh, those people. Oh, oh, and they, and they began to think, Oh, we didn't know this was... But God said it. I've delivered them in your hand. But now they're... Oh, we saw. We saw this. And they're set up this way. And it's going to be difficult. And so what comes in is all these things to think on outside the promise of God, which gets them to doubt the promise of God. So instead of entering into their rest, they enter into worry and fear and strife. And they have strife with God. They don't have faith in the promises of God. They were supposed to take the promise that God had given them and He had given it to them. I mean, they didn't have the Bible written down like they could just go in there and pull it out. So God kept coming to them and telling them to them over and over again. I have given you the land. I have delivered it into your hands. They didn't have their little New Testament, their little book of Proverbs or, or Psalms or anything else that they, they could just whip out. They couldn't whip out their phones and pull out the Olive Tree app and just start reading the Bible. They couldn't do that. And so God kept sending them the word and kept renewing them on what He said, on the promise that He gave them so they would have this. And when they came to it, They decided to disobey. Now here's some other examples. We've used this one a few times already on this, but we'll go back right to it. Jesus said, let us go to the other side. Now that was a promise, right? It's really easy for us to sit in our our place and say that was a promise. I think if we were the disciples, we may not have heard that as a promise. But I want to read you some other words that Jesus said. In John chapter 12 and verse 49. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me gave me a command, what I should say and what I should speak. One more verse. John chapter 5 verse 19. Then Jesus answered and said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself but what he sees the Father do. For whatever he does, the Son also does in like matter. So we understand that Jesus did not do anything that he did not see the Father do. Jesus did not speak anything that he did not hear the Father say. Right? This is not new information for us. We knew this before. So when Jesus comes and he says, let us go to the other side, what can we deduce from that? That this is what the Father said to the Son. Go to the other side. So Jesus comes out and says, we must go to the other side. Why would Jesus say that? Because the Father told him to go to the other side. So Jesus has it from the Father to go to the other side. That's not in the Word, is it? Not in there. He didn't come to the disciples and say, the Father has told me we are to go to to the other side. So how are we supposed to get faith on such a, a short promise like that? Because he comes out to them. Does he not expect them to have faith When he gets up on the boat calms the storm and turns to them and says yo what's going on? Where's your faith? What happened? Because what we're supposed to do folks is to take the promises of God and to meditate and to meditate and to meditate and to meditate and we are to take things from the promises of God and we are to imagine how they work in our life and have faith for those things. Here's a case from the word of God where that happened. There was a certain woman who when she heard about Jesus, and she heard about the things that Jesus said, began to imagine and began to picture in her mind what it is that she could do to come in line with the promise that was going on. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. How did she get that? Because she heard what was going on with Jesus. When she meditated on what she heard about Jesus, this picture came to mind. All I got to do is sneak into the crowd, touch the hem of his garment, and I know I shall be healed. And she developed faith for that, didn't she? She had faith. She's saying this to herself. If I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. She may have said it out to other people. And I'm sure she didn't get a very favorable response to the other people that were around her. But she kept saying to herself, I know if I touch the hem of his garment, I shall be healed. And so she heard that Jesus was nearby. And she worked her way into the crowd. And she touched the hem of the garment. And what happened? She was healed. And Jesus turned around and said, Who touched me? And his disciples said, you look at the multitude of people thronging you, and you say, who touched me? I mean, everybody's kind of touching you. He said, no, no, no. Somebody touched me, and healing power went out, which meant everyone else touched him, and didn't have that imagination, didn't have that faith on the promise, didn't have that faith that what could happen, but this woman did. You see, the promises of God are in the Word of God for you to develop faith. But if I just read it, well, Jesus is my healer. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Well, Jesus is my provider. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. Appreciate that. But I don't meditate on it and develop faith for it. I don't meditate on it. See, how is it that I can become what the Word of God says I am to become? How can I be that? How can I be healed? How can I be set free? How can I be successful? How can I be prosperous? How can this thing be? This is what the Word of God has promised me. How can this work in my life? And I begin to envision this happening. But you see, a lot of times we we hear, well, Jesus is my healer. And so uh, I set out to be healed. I'm just going to pray real hard. Maybe if I get more people to pray for me, maybe that will happen then. I just get—I just ask more people to be praying for me. And we begin to think of all these things. We're not resting. I'm trying to press through. I, I just, I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to pray. I got to fast. I got fa- to stay away from sin. We're looking at all these things because I'm trying to work for the thing that I'm trying to attain to. Jesus didn't work hard when he came up out of the boat. He just said peace be still. It seemed like he worked very hard it? because he had meditated on what the father said. And the father said I have an assignment for you on the other side. You need to get to the other side. And if you look at the story he goes to the other side he takes care of the demoniac And he comes back. That was a lot of trouble to get to the other side. We're letting the promises go on a surface level. I'm not meditating on them for my life, for where I'm at. And this is not something that somebody else... If if another person came over to the woman with the issue of blood and said... You know, I think that if you can just get through the crowd and touch the hem of his garment, I think, you could get, I think you'd get healed. You think, that, you think that would really happen for me? I, I think it would. If the woman with the issue of blood would have acted on that, how many thinks it would have made the story in the Word of God? You see, the revelation came to her because she meditated on it. Don't ask for other people to do your work. You've got to meditate. You've got to get into the Word of God. I, gotta, I, I need the revelation. to. Come, my eyes have to be open. Not someone else's eyes. My eyes have to be open. I have to see that I am to be free from this condition. I have to see it. Nobody else says, I have to see it for me. If I cannot see it, I cannot get there. I've got to see it. So you meditate on that promise. What has God promised you in His Word? What has God promised you? And so you stay in his word because you want to see those promises. And when the promise comes up, you meditate on it. Father God, this is what you said in your word. You said in your word, you you list the promise. Promise for wisdom, promise for healing, the promise for provision. Whatever it might be, you meditate on that promise. Now God, how is that going to work in my life? How is that going to come about in my life? And God gives you the picture. And God lays it out for you. It's what's going to go on. Doesn't mean it's a smooth ride there. It just means that's what's going to go on. Joseph had a promise from God He was going to be a ruler. But he didn't take a direction that it would seem like he was going to be a ruler. But he did. He became a ruler overnight. All of a sudden, he's a ruler. Abraham was given a promise. You're going to have a child. It didn't come right away. There were some struggles. There were some things that were telling him other, other ways to do it. Maybe this child isn't to come from Sarah. Maybe Hagar can work. Yeah, yeah, that might be it. See, that's not, that's not meditating on the promise. That's meditating on the problem. A lot of times, folks, we meditate on the problem. We don't meditate on the promise. If you meditate on the promise, you get the answer. you meditate on the problem, you get flesh. And you get disobedience. That's not what we want to do. Israel meditated on the problem. Walled cities. Giants in the land. We're scared. We're afraid. They meditated on the problem. And they said, we need to go back to Egypt. God wanted them to meditate on the answer. Joshua and Caleb meditate on the answer. We are well able to go up and to get this. We're able to do it. They didn't, they didn't go. Those things that God has promised, understand that from the foundation of the world, God has written these things in. From the foundation of the world he wants you to have what he said you can have. From the foundation of the world. The only thing that rewrites, reroutes that is our disobedience. Put this in your outline for you. The greater rest only comes through meditation on God's promises until the faith objective is revealed. God has a faith objective for you. For the woman with the issue of blood, her faith objective was touch the hem of his garment. For the centurion, his faith objective was just speak the word and my servant will be healed. See, he developed a faith Perspective, uh, 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 faith, objective. And when he saw it wasn't being followed, that Jesus was coming. Oh no, I don't need that. I, I'm, not, I'm not worthy for that. Just speak the word. Just speak the word. Now the nobleman came to Jesus and said, "If you'll come with me, we're going to have a healing here." And Jesus said, "I'm not going." But your son lives. So he gave him another faith objective. But he gave him a promise. Go your way. Your son lives. That's a promise, isn't it? And if you understand about Jesus that he can't say or speak except for what God has said, that means God the Father has said to Jesus the Son, his son lives. Tell him to go. And so Jesus speaks it out. And the man acted on that. And he did it. The man with the withered hand, Jesus said, stretch out your your hand. That's all that Jesus said. He didn't say, stretch it out and it'll be healed. He just said, stretch out your hand. The man could have said, I can't stretch it out. That's my problem. But he didn't. He stretched it out. And it became whole, just like the other one was. Brother Hagin when he was meditating on Mark chapter 16 I'm sorry um, Mark chapter 11 and God told him about faith and he got the revelation of faith and he said it clicked down on the inside of him he knew he was healed and this came up in his spirit y'all remember the story healed people don't stay in bed all morning well they don't do they? see he was given a faith objective because he meditated on the word of God And God was able to open it up for him and reveal something for him to do. Now he has a faith objective. And so for him, it was get out of bed. So he got out of bed. For you, it might not be get out of bed. It might not be stretch forth your hand. It might not be touch the hem of someone's garment. It could be something else. But there is a faith objective out there for us. And our disobedience is keeping us from doing it. And that is keeping us out of the rest. And we're trying to get healed through work. Trying to work hard, pray hard, believe hard. Doing all that I know to do. And I'm mindful of it all day long. That's not resting. It's working. Jesus wasn't mindful of the storm at all. He was down there sleeping. When mindful of all the things coming up against them, in verse uh, verse eight, for if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. There there remains therefore a rest for the people of God. So he's telling you this: this place of rest is not the final place of rest. There's another place of rest. If this was the final place of rest, Joshua wouldn't have spoken about another place of rest. This place of rest is a place that you're supposed to have now. There is a place of rest waiting for you. But that's not what we're speaking about. We're not speaking about that rest in the great by and by. We're speaking about a rest that is here in this life. We're not speaking about the Sabbath day because that comes upon everybody. We're talking about a particular type of rest that only comes upon those who believe only comes with those who will have acts of faith and can act from that place of rest and bring about change in their life. So don't confuse this rest based on promises with the one waiting for us. i put this in your outline for you too. When you enter into, the, into this rest, people around you may think you don't care. When you enter into this rest, the people around you may think you don't care. Why? Because you're not putting the work in. You're not putting the effort in. Your effort's kind of weak. If you were the nobleman's son and you came to Jesus and implored him, please come back with me. Lay hands on my son. And Jesus said, he wasn't very very, very nice to him. Isn't <laughs> didn't seem like it. He's kind of short with them. And he just said, go your way. Your son lives. Well, it's easy for you to say, uh, but I I, I want you to, don't you care enough to come back to the house with me? What about Peter's mother-in-law with the fever? I mean, this must have been some kind of fever. we got to get Jesus involved. Prays for her. After that, Jesus goes, sits on down, she makes dinner. There's a lot of times you can look at Jesus, it doesn't seem like he's putting out a whole lot of effort. And you could look at that and say, Hey, don't you care? When Jesus has five thousand men, their wives, and their families to feed. What does he say to the disciples? You feed him. We, we, we can't feed him. We can't feed him uh, Well, what do you got? Go find out what you got. He's just sitting there. See, when you get into that place to rest, the people around you may think you don't care. Why aren't you getting all worked up about this? Don't you see the magnitude of this problem? Don't you see how bad all this is? Don't you understand what I'm going through? Don't you understand my fear and anxiety on this thing? Disciples come down to the bottom of the boat, wake Jesus up. Master, don't you care that we're perishing? When you get into this place of rest, the people around you may think you don't care. I got an equation in here for you. This is not mine. I heard this from somebody. I thought it was really good, so I wrote it down here for you to have it. Faith plus rest. When you take faith and add it to rest, you get trust. Faith plus rest equals trust. And when you really trust... God. Folks, you are at rest. And people around you cannot get you worked up, upset, fretful, worrisome. You just keep on going. Jesus was not moved by the things that were happening to people around him. He was moved by the things that the Father did and the Father said. That's what he was moved by. If God The father said to Jesus, the son, go to the other side. Jesus went to the other side. If God the father said, don't go with the man, just tell him to head on his way. Jesus said, I'm not going with you. But you can go on your way, your son lives. I heard this little note on uh, Isaiah 40 and verse 31. I'm still trying to confirm it in some other, other sources and other places, but I'll just throw this out here for you. We know that 40 and 31 says that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. We'll have a uh, little note on the word wait on. Those who, and you can actually, they say substitute these words for it. Those who exchange their strength with the Lord shall renew their strength. That the actual meaning of that word You can pull that from it. I am not a Hebrew scholar. Don't pretend to be. Don't like Hebrew. Those who wait on or those who exchange their strength with the Lord shall renew their strength. So it's like going up to God and says, God, you give me your strength and you can have mine. Take on the strength of the Lord. When you do that, that's a whole other way to battle, isn't it? When you get into this place of rest, you take the promise of God. You don't take the, pro- the problems to God. God, look at this problem. Look at this problem. Look at this problem. This is how I feel. This is how I think. This is how- we don't take all that to Him. We go to, we go to the promise. We go to the promise. And we bring the promise. Moses did that one time with God. Remember, God says, stand aside, Moses. I'm going to wipe these people out. I am tired of these people. These people are... And, God, and what's he saying? Hold on, God. You promised to take these people into the promised land. What are people going to say? When They're going to say that you couldn't do it. So you wiped them out here. He put God in remembrance of the, of the promise. Don't put God in remembrance of the problems. Put him in remembrance of the promise. Father God, you said, and you, you quote the promise that you, you're hanging on to. Now I ask for you, give me a picture of how that is to work in my life. It can't come to someone else. It has to come to you. If it comes to someone else and they tell you, I see this working this way in your life, that's not going to help you. It may get you excited for a day or two, but it's not going to help you. What you need to do is have your eyes opened up to say, oh, if I just do this, if I just go this way, this is what happens. Now all of you were, were here on Sunday. If you were in Sunday, uh, folks who were in children's church, I haven't been able to get that one up on uh, online yet. Um, we'll get it up there for you to, to go over here. But one of those things is in order for us to obey, only, I think I put it this way, only the strong can obey. Without strength, obedience is impossible. And the example we are using is if your workout person came up to you and said, drop and give me a hundred. hundred push-ups. How many of you could do it? No, because the strength isn't there. I can't obey, not because I'm not willing. I can't obey because I don't have the strength. But you see, God has been giving us things all along the way to help us have the strength. And we're not paying attention to them. And we're not listening. God is telling people to, to, to watch some of their manners. To watch some of the ways that they act. Don't you be short with those people. Don't you mouth off to those folks. Don't you think bad thoughts about those folks. He's telling you to, to do the, and we're not listening. And when I don't listen to give me five push-ups, I can't listen when he says give me ten. And I can't obey when he says give me twenty. And then I can't obey when he says give me thirty. And pretty soon he's working all the way up and he's saying give me a hundred. But because I haven't obeyed on all the other things, I am not ready because I don't have the strength. Obedience takes strength. And in order for the children of Israel to go and to march around Jericho and to battle Ai and the kings and all the things that they went on, that takes strength. And the only way they're going to get there is if they listened in the wilderness and drop and give them ten. If they would have listened at the waters of Meribah, God, you brought us out here. I know you didn't bring us out here to kill us. The promise was, here's the promise, how do you bring the bring this people through this problem. That would have increased their strength. They could have gone to the next stage and increased their strength again. They could have gone to the next stage and increased their strength again. Gone to the next stage and increased their strength again. When they finally got to the place of the promised land and God says, go in and take the promised land, their strength would have been such that they could have done it. But instead, they were still trying to get five push-ups done and God had already graduated to a place they need to be doing a hundred, but if they would have done it, they would have been up to the task. What is God telling you to do? Because you see, if you will listen and do the things that God says to do, the harder of things won't be hard at all. if you would have dropped and given them five. And doing all the things that he said to do, you could be doing a hundred push-ups as easily as you could have done five. If you would have listened and if you would have obeyed. You could have, you could just rattle them off without even thinking about it. This is no big deal. You look at the you know the guys who run the marathon. They conditioned themselves to run a marathon. Twenty six point two Two miles. They've conditioned themselves to be able to do that. If you go and you tell a marathoner, hey, can you run down to the market two miles away? What are they going to say? No, no big deal. <laughs> I don't have to think about that. Just going down there, going back. Piece of cake. You tell to somebody else who doesn't run, can you run down to the market two miles back and come back? What are they going to say? <laughs> In what lifetime? You see, it's, it's a whole different matter. It's a whole different thing. We can't do it from a place of rest because I haven't built up the strength. I don't know how to meditate on the promises of God to get out what I need. The disciples should have taken the promise of God let us go to the other side and when they face the storm guys this is nothing. Jesus said let's go to the other side that means the father told him to go to the other side that means we have a divine appointment on the other side. This storm can't take us down. They could have developed faith from that. The same way the woman with the issue of blood developed faith from it and was able to overcome something that had bothered her for 12 years. That's taking it on from a place of rest. Not hard work. Not not, not so much effort. Because what we're doing is easy. It's easy to do. We can overcome it. But we're still messing with things from a place of work. We're working and we're working and we're praying hard and we're believing hard, but it's just not coming about. And the thoughts are coming in and I'm wrestling with the thoughts because I'm not in obedience. I'm technically, folks, in disobedience because I keep worrying, I keep fretting, I keep being in fear and anxiety because of what I am facing. And I cry out to God, God, don't you care that I am going through all of this stuff? And God says, enter into your rest. Enter into your rest. Listen to the promises of God and enter into the rest. The rest is, the Canaan land is not a place of no battles. It's a place of battles, but a place of victory. That's where we need to be at. Father, we thank you that we have been called to a place of rest. We need to take the promise of God. Whatever promise is in your word that is meaningful for what it is that we're facing, we can take that promise, meditate on it, and develop faith for something, some kind of action, something that we are to do. No one else can receive this, Father. We have to hear it ourselves, just like the woman with the issue of blood. But when we hear it, and when we know it, and when we receive that, Nothing can turn us back from receiving what we need. Thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.